Thessalonians chapter 4. We're going to continue our series uh, entitled um, Living Holy Lives in Light of, the Fu- of Future Hope. Holy Living in Future Hope with Future Hope. So we're going to read this passage. Uh, by the way, this Fletcher family is not moving anywhere. I don't plan to do that. So we are going to miss. Oh, they're gone already. Um, hopefully they'll be back before. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, just excited uh, about this word today. Um, just been looking at it all week and, and look forward to, to us taking a look at it today. Um, one of the things that we're going to specifically talk about is sanctification. Now, you know, a lot of people are like, well, that's, that's kind of an archaic word and, you know, what does it mean? We're going to, you're going to know what it means before you leave here today. And um, I would say uh, and challenge you in, in a couple things. Uh, words that we're not used to, sometimes they're like really important for us to understand and to get to know. And, and what does it mean? What does this word sanctification mean? You know, we don't u- necessarily use it in our everyday lives, uh, but it's biblical. It comes straight from the scriptures. And I, I think um, that we need to become, as a culture, uh, as, in this church, more biblically literate, just becoming more familiar with, our, with the scriptures and the Bible and and what God has to, to, to tell us and about who he is and who we are and what he's called us to do. It's really important. So we'll talk a little bit more about that. So um, let's read uh, 1 Thessalonians. I'm going to read uh, just the first 12 verses from chapter 4. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Now concerning brotherly love, You have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more and to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. As Paul wrote to this church in Thessalonica, uh, of these important matters of sanctification and how we're supposed to live holy lives. So we thank you uh, for Paul's encouragement for the Thessalonians' um, uh, model in, in how they loved one another. And so uh, we want to take to heart, Lord, the things you want to teach us today, this morning, uh, in this church, with us, this body of Christ, we call Spring Run. 
thank you for these dear friends and, and their willingness to, to, to be united together in purpose and in love for the advancement of your kingdom. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So on July 3rd, 1993, I stood next to my wife, Julie, as she gave birth to our first child, Taylor. He came out a whopping 10 pounds, 15 ounces. And if you've ever been in the room when a baby's born, you know that it's a little chaotic and extremely emotional. So I'm literally crying so hard I can't see anything that's happening. Uh, My wife is just simply relieved that Taylor had come out, right? And then someone hands me scissors to cut the umbilical cord. And I'm like, I'm crying. I'm like, what? What am I supposed to do? I don't, you know. And so uh, it's very chaotic, but it it all happened. And uh, it literally was one of the three greatest moments of my life, right? Our children being born uh, is one of the greatest moments that we could ever experience. And at that point, I became a parent. I had no training. I was not given any sort of license or certificate that said I was qualified to be a parent. I just was. One moment I wasn't, the next moment I was. And there were no take backs, right? Uh, Now I had to start to learn and grow in what it means to be a parent. And I want to take this illustration and uh, relate it to our own sanctification. So bear with me for a minute. First of all, let's sort of try to define this word sanctification. So sanctification means the process of making and becoming set apart by God and for God in order to worship God, okay? So sanctification has two parts though, and we're going to look at these. Sanctification is about who you are, that you are a person made in the image of God and set apart for worship for, of him. And secondly, sanctification is about who you are becoming. While you're holy, you are also becoming more holy. It's a gradual purification from sin and progressive spiritual growth. So now let me be clear. It is God who sanctifies us. It is God alone who set us apart to be his beloved children. We did nothing to merit this work of God upon us. However, once we are set apart, God invites us to engage with him and with his Holy Spirit to live a life that's devoted to holy living for his glory, right? To live for his glory and holiness. So sanctification is like being a parent who is a parent, but is also continually learning how to be a parent, right? You are sanctified and you you are continually learning how to live a holy life as a vessel devoted to the worship of God. Sanctification is something that happens to us and something that we get to participate in, okay? So that's that's where we're headed. Let's take a little deeper dive into these two aspects. First of all, sanctification is who we are. So as I said, you've been set apart by God for the specific purpose of worshiping him, okay? You are sacred, 
and holy, a vessel to be used by God and for God. But not just an inanimate vessel. You are God's child. He owns you, right? He brought you into his family in order to bless you and to nourish you with the most extravagant blessings that you could ever experience in life. Here's what 1 Corinthians 6.11 says. But you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. This is what has happened to us. This is who you are, right? So the picture Paul is painting is that we were dirty with sin and this disqualified us from properly worshiping God. So we needed to be cleansed from our sin. So Paul says, you were washed, you were sanctified. So think about it maybe this way, like a vessel that we use for the sacrament. So just take, for instance, our communion trays. If, if a tray is dirty and gross, then it needs to be washed and cleaned before it can be used. So someone washes it and cleans it and puts fresh juice and wine in the cups so that the elements can be taken as a proper act of worship to God. But this is only an illustration, right? Because you are much more important to God than a communion tray. You are God's beloved child. You are holy and dearly loved. You've been set apart. You are special to God. You've been chosen. You've been transformed. And you've been cleansed. And how has God cleansed you? You've been washed by the perfect, sacrificial, and atoning blood of Jesus Christ. All your sin and corruption have been washed away. Jesus has made you clean. God has put his Holy Spirit in you. So the question is, do you see the value that God has placed on you? That's what I, one of the things I really want you to see today, the value that God has placed on you. You are worth God sending his own son to die for you. That's how much worth God places upon your life and your soul. And here's the thing. You need to figure out a way to remind yourself of these truths every day. You've got to figure this out. Because this is the struggle in our sanctification, is not believing the truths about who we are in Christ. So you've got to figure it out. And I think the best way is to let the Lord speak these truths to you from his word. And so I want to just give you a few gospel affirmations that you can use. Now, there, there's, there's hundreds of them in the scripture, so I'm just going to touch on a few, and I'm going to kind of run through them quick, but I want you to, to listen, so the words aren't going to be on the screen, I want you to listen to the words and understand the value that God's placed on you in setting you apart and sanctifying you. John 1, 12, but to all who did receive him, Jesus, who believed in Jesus' name, he gave the right to become children of God. You are God's child. John 15, 15, no longer do I call you servants, Jesus says, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You are God's friend. 
1 Corinthians 3.16, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? You are God's temple. 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You are a new creation in Christ. Ephesians 1.1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus, who are faithful in Christ Jesus, You are a saint. Colossians 3.12, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. You are chosen, you are holy, and you are beloved by God. 1 Peter 2.5, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You are part of a spiritual house, the body of Christ, his church, a holy priesthood. And then Psalm 23, 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You are God's sheep and he cares for you and he wants to protect you and feed you and clothe you and give you all the best things. You might feel worthless, but God considers you worthy because of Christ. You might feel condemned, but God no longer condemns you in Christ. You might feel abandoned, but you are found in Christ. You might feel dirty, but God has cleansed you through the blood of Christ. You are sanctified. It is who you are now in Christ. But it is also who you are becoming. So sanctification is not just about who you are, but it's about who you are becoming. Okay, let's take a look at this. Not only is sanctification instantaneous, but it, all, it is also ongoing. It is a gradual purification from the sin that continues to, to stick with us and a progressive spiritual growth as you engage with the Holy Spirit. Sanctification is simply this, living out in thought, word, and deed who you are, holy and sacred. So, so we know who we are, now we get to live it out, Right? We're going to live out who God has made us. And God is going to use us to do that. So in the passage, 1 Thessalonians 4, 1, it tells us that Paul taught the Thessalonians how they ought to walk and please God. Okay? And we please God when we act according to who he has made us. Okay? And in, in, in verses 3 through 8, Paul gives specific ways of living out our sanctification and most likely what he's talking about here is based on some of the struggle, struggles that they were particularly having, okay? Specifically, Paul's talking about abstaining from sexual immorality and not following the passions of their lusts. Now, you know, this is not a, a topic that's easy to discuss, but it's in the text and we have to talk about it. We can't just, I can't just like, oh yeah, we'll... we'll deal with it. We can't deal with that. So we're going to deal with it, okay? So let's deal with it real quick. So the exhortation is to not be sexually immoral. And uh, so we have to ask the question, what does that mean? What does that phrase mean? And it's really simple, actually. It's not complicated. Basically, sexual immorality is engaging in sexual activity outside the bonds of the marriage covenant, okay? Let's be really clear. So if you're not married, you are forbidden to engage in any sexual activity. If you are married, you are forbidden to engage in any sexual activity with anyone who is not your spouse. 
This includes all parts of the body, our body parts, but also our minds, right? So for instance, pornography is forbidden because you're lusting after someone who is not your spouse. Is that clear enough? Like it's very clear in the scriptures. It's very clear. We just have to, we just have to say it and then and, and, and deal with it, okay? You know, and it's a big struggle for many people, both men and women. But here's the thing. I don't want you to get the idea that God thinks sexual relations are wrong or bad because he doesn't. God created us with these desires, okay? But for the special relationship between a man and a woman inside the marriage covenant, it is good. Sex is good. Actually, it's great. And it's beautiful, right? It brings intimacy and connection like no other relationship that you have with anyone else. And God wants you to enjoy it, but not distort it. And I think the beauty of the gospel is that when we do struggle in this area, and I think pretty much everybody does at some point and in some way, right, we, we get in, uh, the, our culture is so sexualized, we get drawn into it somehow. We, we, it's like uh, there's this big whirlpool and, and we just get sucked into it and, and we engage in it. But the beauty of the gospel is that if we do struggle in this area, God wants to help us. So listen clearly. He's given us his Holy Spirit to fight off our inappropriate lusts and addictions. God created us with an intense desire for sex. But when we go astray and begin to follow these desires that are inappropriate, God's desire is to help us. He's not mad at you or disappointed in you. He honestly wants you to know this desire in its fullest sense. And he wants to pull you back into his original intentions for it, okay? Now that's, I think that's different than a lot of things maybe you've heard, right? I mean, God gives us an intense desire for this. He does, just like he gives you an intense desire for food. Don't we all love a good meal? We love the, the different tastes and flavors that different foods and seasonings can bring and, and everything, but God's not called us to be gluttonous, right? He wants to pull us back into the original intentions that he has for us in these things. So this is true of any sin that we struggle with. When you disobey God and know you're disobeying God, then you typically think that God's mad at you and therefore you simply just need to stop doing what it is or else God is going to continue to be mad at you for the rest of your life. But again, I think the gospel tells us that God has more sympathy for us than we realize. How do I know that? Hebrews 4.15 tells us. For it says, For we do not have a high priest, Jesus, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. God, Jesus sympathizes with us in our struggle. The gospel tells us that Jesus knows all about our temptations. And he wants to help us fight it so we do not sin. 
And when we do, he's already forgiven us. Sounds too good to be true. But it is true. That's why the gospel sounds too good to be true. How can it be? But it is. That's how great God's love is for us. You see, Jesus woos us away from sin by his grace and mercy. And then Jesus also woos us back from our rebellion through grace and mercy, not condemnation. You know, Paul spends all chapter 7 in Romans talking about the struggle with sin that we have, right? And instead of saying, if you sin, God's going to condemn you, Romans 8, 1 says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's a truth worth uh, waking up and telling yourself every day. I do it for me. There's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And what does that do? It doesn't give me a desire to go out and sin all the more. No. It gives me a desire and an intensity to want to live this life that God's called me to of holiness. What Jesus is also doing is that he's allowing us to participate and be involved in this sanctification. He calls us to fight with faith by telling us that his promises are far better than the promises of the world. Jesus wants us to tell ourselves this when we are tempted. So you might say, well, what, can, what should I tell myself when I'm tempted or when I'm struggling with sin? We can, you can say this to yourself. Hey, this is not who I am, right? Because I've already told you who you are. You're holy and sacred and set apart by God. So we say, hey, this is not who I am. I'm not a fornicator. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not prideful or whatever sin it is that you're struggling with. But I am a holy and sacred human being made in the image of God. That's who I am. Created in Christ Jesus for good works not for evil. And you know what? I have the Holy Spirit living in me, applying the death and resurrection power of Christ to me that I might continually die unto sin and live unto righteousness. That's what we can tell ourselves when we're in the middle of this struggle. Now, this is what I call defensive sanctification. But there's another plan of attack where we go on the offensive, where we get on offense to engage and participate in this sanctification. And this is where we go and intentionally seek out things that are pleasing and glorifying to God. So we need to seek out, intentionally seek out things that are uh, pleasing and glorifying to God. So how how do we know what those things are? Well, we must know the ways of God by reading and studying his word daily. And this is how we know God's will, his laws, his instructions, his design for life. It's all in here. That's why we preach from it every week. That's why we sing songs that are saturated with scripture. That's why we challenge you to be in the scriptures every single day, morning, noon, and night. Take some time to be in the word. Then you will know what God's will is for your life, his sanctification, that who you are is set apart by him through Jesus in his death and that now you've been made to be a holy living sacrifice for him. Psalm 86, 11 says this. 
Teach me your way, O Lord, that I might walk in your truth. It's as simple as that. That's a simple prayer. We can pray each day as we get up. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. If I could go back to our parenting illustration, as parents, when it's your child's birthday, you want to get them presents, right, that they, that they would like, okay? So uh, you've built a relationship with them, and you know that they like Minecraft or baseball or American Girl dolls or some specific author of books. You know what they like and what they enjoy, and you ask them, hey, what kind of cake do you want for your birthday, right? Not so that you would go and make a different kind of cake, but you make the one that they want. Why is that? Because you want to please them. You adore your children. And you want them to be delighted on their birthday. Well, I want you to think about sanctification like finding out what God enjoys, right? Find out what God enjoys. What would he want you to give him? What does God want you to know about him? And honestly, here's the thing about sanctification and doing these things intentionally and, and, and with effort. It, it will take prayer. It will take study and research. It will take just being with the Lord to know what he wants and what he enjoys. It will take time and effort. It takes striving and pursuing. Sanctification takes perseverance and trust. It takes toilsome labor, but it brings joy to God and to our souls. Right? So let's think about it that way. It's not just defensive and trying to avoid sin in our lives, but it's offensive where we can really go after it and strive to live a life of holiness. With this future hope in mind, now I, I didn't have time this morning to go into the, to the last uh, passage in chapter four, but he's talking about, he goes into talking about the second coming of Christ. And one day we're gonna live forever. We talked in our Bible study uh, this past Friday about how I think eternity starts now. Eternity starts now, right? Yeah, yeah, well, well you're gonna die. I'm go my body's going to die physically, but my soul is, is not gonna change. That's gonna be with the Lord forever. So we start now, right? And no, my body's not perfect. You know, I still have sin residing my, in my body, but I'm gonna fight that with faith in the future hope of being with God forever and preparing for that. Did you notice that there's one phrase that was repeated twice in this passage? So just a little quick Bible study. If you see things repeated, they're usually important, okay? So in verse one, Paul says to the Thessalonians that, that they would continue to do so more and more what they were doing in this brotherly love and living in this holy life. Do it more and more. And then he comes back in verse 10 again and says, we urge you to do this more and more. So Paul is saying to the Thessalonians this, you're doing great, right? So keep going. Don't stop. This is impacting lives 
for the kingdom. Do it more and more. Love your brothers and sisters in Christ. You've been doing it? Don't stop. Keep at it. Walk in obedience to live and please God for this is the will of God. This is your sanctification. And so that's what I want to tell you this morning is keep living holy lives. You're doing great. Do it more and more. Don't stop fighting sin in your life. Don't stop pursuing what pleases God. Your lives are being used by God. Dear friends, your lives here at Spring Run are being used to please God and to encourage and strengthen one another. Not only in the walls of this church, but outside the walls of this church as well. You, do, you need to know that. Andrew and I and Jake and Lauren, we, we get to see the behind the scenes of a lot of stuff that's going on. Uh, great ways in which God is at work. I wish you could see them. We, we, we try to let you know those through some of the gospel stories that we, that we share sometimes. But there are literally hundreds of more gospel stories that we could share. Keep at it. Your lives are being used by God to encourage and strengthen others. God is advancing his kingdom and he's using you. So let's continue to labor alongside one another and brotherly love and live out this gospel that changes everything. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you came to uh, sanctify us, that you set us apart, that you have cleansed us from our sin so that we have been justified and made right in your sight so that we can properly worship you. But Lord, this, this sanctification process is ongoing. And you're uh, continuing to work in our lives and you allow us to, to engage and you invite us to participate and I pray we will do just that. By the power of the Holy Spirit living in us, Lord, help us to live this holy life that glorifies you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, the ushers are going to come forward at this time and take up the offering.